The Tom Woods Show, episode 1776. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here. All right, we're talking to Angela McArdle today and I'll turn things over to her in just a minute, but I want to say for anybody who is expecting some kind of American history topic for episode 1776, let me just burst that bubble right off the bat here because my view is the second I go down the road of numerology and the episodes have to have something to do with the episode number is when I jump off a cliff. I'm not doing that because then 1789, I got to talk about the French Revolution and I'm not doing that. So we talk about plenty of American history around here. Although now that I think about it, not that much recently. So maybe we'll get back into that. The point is it ain't going to be today. Instead, we're talking to Angela, who chairs the Libertarian Party of L.A. County. And are you also the social media person for the state party? Yes, that's correct. I sure am. All right. So what I want to talk about today is what is going on with the Libertarian Party and what is your assessment of how the campaign went, the presidential campaign this time around, and what can we say about you know other races or um, – at the local level. I mean, I don't know how much of this kind of data you have at your fingertips, but let's start off with the most high-profile race of all, which was the Joe Jorgensen-Spike Cohen campaign. Uh, do you want to just give me your overall assessment of, of, of that and how it went? Absolutely. And I can tell you that I have mixed feelings about the whole thing. But let me preface it by saying that trying to do any sort of campaign that involves travel, like the presidential campaign, when you have most of the nation under a lockdown, people afraid to leave their homes, and all of that nonsense and wearing a mask, you can't read people's expressions and make eye contact, people are broke and apathetic, it's going to be a challenge. Even if you are really great about fighting against the lockdown, you're principled, you're well-funded, this is just, these are challenging times. So having said that, you know, I know that Joe Jorgensen got obviously nowhere near what Gary Johnson got in the past. But she did still get, she got over 1%, and I believe that she's the second highest uh, vote-getting libertarian candidate in history for the presidential election. So I think that that is nothing to sneeze at. And I appreciate that she and Spike Cohen put in the work. And I believe that they mostly toured separately, probably covered twice as much ground that way. And I think we got to give, uh, we got to give Spike credit where credit is due. So I appreciate that they went out and did that. Spike did speak out against the lockdowns uh, a little bit, maybe more than a little bit from what I heard a little bit. And Joe Jorgensen did as well. So I do appreciate that coming from them. I know that people were bummed out that we didn't get more and that their campaign didn't do more appearances and put things out more in, more in advance so people could get there. I, and I could certainly appreciate that there were some problems with the campaign. But there are going to be problems with every campaign, especially when it's a libertarian campaign and it's a little bit more low budget. I would have liked to have heard more discussion of the lockdown because I think it's the most important issue in our lifetimes. Our liberties are being infringed upon in a way that I never conceived of. We always thought this was just sort of a dystopian nightmare situation that we would read about. So I do wish there had been more outspoken campaigning regarding the lockdown. I know that Joe Jorgensen mentioned there was not much she could do for state lockdowns on a federal level. I appreciate that. But I do think that it's important to use the platform to really promote liberty. And this is a very important liberty topic. However, some, some things that I think went right about the campaign are that, hey, we got two actual libertarians campaigning. I really appreciate that. 
For those of you who are not involved in internal party politics and drama, you're very lucky. But one of the problems that we always encounter when we're trying to figure out who our presidential candidate is going to be is that people have expressed this grievance in the past, and, and it's very well, it's a reasonable grievance that we usually run ex-Republicans. We did not do that this time. We ran principled libertarians. People had some issues with Joe Jorgensen's uh, social media. I understand, you know, like I, I don't appreciate every single thing that she tweeted. You're probably not going to like everything that everyone tweets, though, so keep that in mind. But regardless of that, we got someone quoting Murray Rothbard in her tweets. I think that is a fantastic improvement over Gary Johnson. So were there problems with the campaign? Yes. But keep in mind, there are always problems with the campaign. Was the messaging more libertarian overall? I think yes. I think it was. And that makes me optimistic about the future because I believe that our candidates are getting more libertarian, which is a great thing for the libertarian party. All right. I hear all that and and I feel that largely the same way. I'll say that I said even before the nominee was uh, was uh, decided on that no matter who gets the nomination this year, it's going to be rough for the Libertarian Party in 2020 because I know we like to laugh at people who say this is the most important election of our lifetimes, but it did seem kind of important, <laughs> you know, and not to mention there's been nonstop anti-Trump propaganda for four years. So people feel all hopped up like they have this obligation to go out and vote against Trump and they want to vote against Trump in what they think is the most effective way, which would be to vote for Joe Biden. And meanwhile, you have Trump people who think that if Joe Biden gets elected, he is going to unleash all kinds of avenues of, of revenge on them uh, against the red states for for resisting and for having elected Trump in the first place. And so they feel like they don't have the luxury to vote for a Joe Jorgensen or for whoever wound up being the nominee. So I thought it was going to be a tough slog no matter who it was. So I say, I say that just in case people want to point fingers and say she didn't do very well. I don't think anybody was going to do very well under these particular circumstances. And you're right. I appreciate that she's you know, been part of the party for a long time. She believes in the ideas. Uh, Spike likewise believes in the ideas. I think, as you say, there was a, a messaging issue. I think sometimes they were trying to reach people who were never going to support us uh, and overlooking a huge, huge ton of disaffected Republicans who are very, very frustrated at what's been going on, who I think might have been more willing to listen. So there's also that. But as, as you say, I'm glad we had people who believed, you know, basically believed in the message on the, on the ticket. So that's, you know, that's definitely a good thing. Do you have any speculation with regard to 2024? I, know, I realize it's, a, it's pretty early to start talking, but people are already talking about what the Republicans are going to do in 2024. Have you heard anything? And, and then let's say something about you in 2022. Oh, speculation is already running wild as to what the Libertarian Party will do in 2024. Obviously, Justin Amash is getting a lot of talking points and energy right now because people think, oh, well, Joe Jorgensen didn't get the highest percentage points. We really need to run someone with better name recognition. So that would be Justin Amash. I've, I like Justin Amash. I really appreciate that he switched to Libertarian. I think he has got when he's when he's on, he's on. One of the things that disappointed me about his uh, brief campaign this past year was that he got up and when he did a few speaking engagements and talked to the media and did interviews and things of that nature, he really emphasized being a third choice. 
Sure, we definitely need another choice besides the two major parties, but I didn't hear enough emphasis on actual liberty and libertarian issues, and that kind of bums me out. So that's one thing to consider going forward in 2024. Make sure whoever you're supporting is someone who's going to promote liberty and libertarianism, because otherwise, what is the point of this whole game? There are other people who are interested and, you know, like there's been a little bit of buzz about trying to get a podcaster, a certain podcaster to run, uh, you know, and there are other podcasters who've expressed a little bit of interest too. So, you know, Dave Smith's name has been tossed out. People will constantly beg Tom Woods to run for office. And I don't think that's something that Tom is interested in. I'm sure Tom can talk about that. But those are some of the names, you know, it happens all the time trying to poach other uh, Liberty Caucus people, trying to get them into the party, reaching out to Thomas Massey. A bunch of gossip and speculation right now, but it's kind of fun. Well, speaking of gossip and speculation, it's not gossip or speculation, but yet it's just as exciting as those things. Say something about your own intentions in the coming years. Oh, sure. So one of the issues that is near and dear to my heart, and I believe it should be near and dear to the heart of every person who's been impacted by this whole nonsense, is the lockdown. And I appreciate that in 2020, we elected Joe Bishop Hinchman to be chair of the National Party, and he has not been nearly as divisive as Nick Sarwark. He does not engage in drama and rile people up. And it seems like most of the fighting at the national level within their executive committee has died down. I think that is a tremendous improvement. But one of the things that has really disappointed me is that I do not see the National Party speaking out against the lockdown like it should, with the exception of the Secretary Karen Ann Harlos, who I will say is, has been outstanding and very consistent. And I know there are other XCOM members who speak out against it, but we're not getting strong messaging from the party. And I believe that is a reflection on the leadership. So I've decided that in 2022, I am going to run for chair of the National Party. I think it's really important that you have someone positioned in leadership who is going to speak out and be unapologetic about the most important infringement of liberties in our lifetime. And I care very much about it, and you can count on me to do that. So I'm throwing my name in the hat. All right. Well, that's excellent. I couldn't be happier about that. And I agree that uh, that is an area of disappointment. I'm surprised, actually, at how many how many um, libertarians, maybe it's not a huge number, but it's it's more than there should be, are silent on this or maybe even quietly supportive? You know, well, if only, maybe we just want the lockdown to be done voluntarily or whatever. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if, if you want to do that, you can, but that just seems all wrong to me, especially since this is, what an opportunity to show the difference between the, the libertarians on the one hand and the Ds and the Rs on the other there were Republican governors all around the country doing horrible things. And here's your chance to say, look, this just goes to show that when the chips are down, these people will ruin your life just as much as the people you've been told to fear your whole life. They're all terrible. And the party that you know you can count on is our party. So now in terms of me running, okay, I mean, this just comes up all the time. I'm just not doing it. I have a million reasons. Every one of them is devastatingly convincing. So I'm not going to do it. And I will help whoever gets it if they want my help, but I, I just can't, can't do it myself. Now, I'm about to ask you a question that I think is, is the kind of question that only the top number crunchers might know off the top of their head. So it might be an unfair question, but how about non-presidential races? Was there, was there anything interesting that happened with libertarian candidates during this cycle? Absolutely. There was a candidate for governor in Indiana 
Donald Rainwater, I believe, who did very well. And do you know what he did in order to get a pretty high percentage? He championed the lockdown. He said, we got to fight against this. There was also a candidate in Arkansas, Ricky Harrington Jr., I believe is his name. He also did well at a, at a state-level campaign. He got a good chunk of the votes. Did they win? No, but they did a lot more than the token small percentage that most libertarian candidates got. California elected some people to city council and a few other districts. Uh, I believe there was a water board election where a libertarian got. We, Kalish Morrow got on city council in Hanford. I hear that the vice mayor of that city is about to flip libertarian. Wendy Hewitt got on city council in Kelly Mesa. Those are just the ones I know off the top of my head. But we did see a lot more libertarian wins at the local level, which, as you can see right now, is very important because when we're when you're locked up in a blue state like I am, you got to rely on your county board of supervisors and your city council to say no to the state government and say we're not going to enforce these rules. You can go ahead and make whatever edicts and orders you want. We're going to write the tickets and we're going to toss them out. We're not going to press charges on anyone who is walking around the street like a normal human being. So I really I can't overemphasize enough how important these local electoral wins are. And Wyoming did get a state assemblyman elected as a libertarian too. I feel bad. I can't remember his name right now. It's Bert something, but that is, that is a huge win. And we should definitely congratulate him and the people who worked on his campaigns. By the way, if you're interested in libertarian politics, but you don't want to run for office, obviously I don't blame you. It's a, it's a lot of work, but you can become a campaign volunteer or a campaign manager and work behind the scenes hugely important because that's something that the LP lacks that we're finally getting a little bit better at, professional campaigns. What do you say to people who say, look at Georgia. If we hadn't had a libertarian candidate there, then maybe the Republicans would have clearly won a particular, you know, a Senate seat that is very important because if the Democrats control all three branches, then, you know, it's going to be Green New Deal. It's going to be uh, lockdowns forever. Uh, listen to the science, everybody, say the the witch doctors. And uh, yeah, you can have your righteous libertarian party protest vote, but you know when you're sitting in the gulag, what good will that have done you? Well, I want to remind everyone who might think that way that there are people out there who I've spoken to, this is especially common in Los Angeles, who have very severe Trump derangement syndrome. And they also recognize that Joe Biden has done a lot of inappropriate uh, things on camera and that he's got some questionable family stuff going on right now. And as far as that goes, those people are never going to vote for Trump and they're never going to vote for Biden. So they voted for Joe Jorgensen. Are they card-carrying LP members? Probably not. Do they know much about the Libertarian Party? Probably not. But they really wanted to go vote and check off a box. And as a woman, you know, I can understand not wanting to vote for someone who's got sexual uh, misconduct allegations against them. Personally, I prefer to look up, do a little bit of research and see what's going on. But that's not the way that the average voter behaves. They see something on the news, they're freaked out by it, and they decide, you know what, I'm going to do something else. So I do, you know, I feel for the people in Georgia who are angry and frustrated. They think, oh, Joe Jorgensen cost us the election. But I don't think that's the reality. I think a lot of Democrats and no party preference people voted for Joe Jorgensen. We could probably dig that up in the voter registration statistics. Hey, everybody, we're going to take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsor, the official coffee of the Tom Woods Show, Press House Coffee. And I want to remind you that with the holiday season coming, 
you're tempted to give people terrible gifts that they're going to hate and want to throw away, but they have to keep them around because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Well, how about this for something that'll surprise and delight them every single month? Press House Coffee has an amazing program, the Roaster's Choice program, where you get an amazing coffee surprise every month. Now, I've told you that Press House Coffee converted me, a non-coffee drinker, into a coffee drinker because it's so delicious. And all the flavors, it's not some chemical sprayed onto the coffee. It's different kinds of coffee expertly blended together to approximate amazing flavors like my favorite key lime pie. Well, with a Roaster's Choice subscription, you or your loved one can discover great coffees from around the world, one hand-selected bean at a time delivered right to your door. Tell them what you think of each one, and then you get future selections curated just for you as they learn your favorites. Or just let their roaster share whatever unique single-origin bean he's most excited about right now. We'll get 20% off your first order and a chance to win a year of free coffee by using promo code WOODS at checkout. That's 20% off your first order and a chance to win a year of free coffee when you use promo code WOODS at PressHouseCoffee.com. Let's say a little something about California since you mentioned that you're locked in a blue state. We read news items all the time about crazy edicts coming out of California. And now, or at least for some time, the problem that some places are facing is that in order to graduate from one reopening phase to another, it's not enough that they, you know, listen to the science. I don't think anything in California has anything to do with science, but it's also that they have to meet certain equity guidelines, that their their area has to have had, I don't know. I, I, do you know what the requirements are? I don't know all of the requirements off of the top of my head, but you've got to maintain, you know, a certain low number of infections for XYZ, you know, number of days. You've got to keep everything within perfect parameters, and if one jumps out of the area, if you have too many deaths or too many outbreaks or too many, well, I don't even know what to say about outbreaks. We're talking about tests that come back positive. Then you're going to get shut down. And it's kind of unfair because, because parts of L.A. County, for example, are rural. However, they're controlled by, you know, the major metropolitan area that I live in. And, and that seems unfair. So it's just an impossible number of hoops to jump through in order to get fully reopened. So we have all these, so in other words, it's difficult enough to get reopened even without these additional hoops. So I guess I just need to know, given how California tends to vote, is it your experience that people are on board for this? They think, yeah, it's perfectly normal that we're going to follow a, 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 a guideline that's never been given before, which is to shut down all of society. It's not like, well, you know, the scientists say that that's the traditional way of doing this. This is not the traditional way of doing this. This is a wild experiment they've put us on. You're telling me that most of those people think, yeah, this is normal and, and, and sustainable. And yeah, we should have everything shut down and Disneyland shut down. And, and what, we should have all these things because we're following the science. Are, are the actual human beings living there really thinking like this? I mean, I genuinely want to know. Oh, in large cities, people are absolutely thinking this way. The majority of people in large cities support lockdowns. They will snitch on you. They will scream at you in public if you're not wearing a mask or if your mask doesn't cover your nose. But you have to keep in mind that California is a huge state. And most of the people, well, I guess most of the people, because the general population is concentrated in cities, most of the people support lockdowns. But does most of the state, if you're just looking at it geographically, absolutely not. People in rural areas, they don't relate at all to big city people who live in the major metropolitan areas like Los Angeles, Sacramento, San Francisco. 
So you have a very serious ideological split in California. And it's unfortunate because we're getting tyranny of the majority. People out in the country still have to abide by the same nonsense orders of Gavin Newsom that people in Los Angeles do. But no, there is no, there's no strong consensus across the whole state. It's really just, you know, it's an ideological mindset. And sadly, people are really entrenched in their attitudes and their behaviors. Do you want to, I hate to make people make predictions, but well, it's my show. So you're going to make a prediction. What do you think the Biden people are going to do with regard to the virus? I have my own view. I don't, there are two views, right? That one was that the whole thing's going to be over as soon as they get elected and suddenly it'll turn out not to be such a big deal. And the other one is they're never, ever, ever going to give this up. Do you think either of those is true or something in between or what? I think they're never, ever, ever going to give it up. I think that the Biden administration is going to try to roll out some giant, massive federal plan. I think it will be poorly executed and it will be easy for people to mostly disregard it. But I am concerned that they are going to set the path for people to start having to get their quote unquote papers checked when they go to events, venues, government buildings, especially that it's you'll probably see it at government building level entry first. You need to check to see if you've got that person. Does that person have a test? Do they have a test? Do they have a vaccination? It'll it'll start to become a let me see your papers thing. I imagine that you will not have trouble with this sort of thing as much if you're in rural areas. But for people who live in big cities like I do, and for people who work in the courts like I do, we'll probably be the ones who feel the pain first. All right. My prediction, which you might think is just optimism, but I don't know, maybe that's just the way I am. I I think what you're suggesting may happen is not at all implausible, given that we've heard that Ticketmaster wants to do something like this with their app to see if you've had a test or a vaccination and, and so on and so forth. So that's not implausible. But I don't think that it's going to be the case. I, I, I can't imagine that it's just going to be lockdowns for all four years of Joe Biden, because then, I'm sorry, but uh, at that point, no one's going to want to listen to the science anymore, so-called, if that's what the science says. If he's boasted that he's going to stamp out the virus, that we will get back to normal. He said to people, you know, look, you're going to be able to go to graduations, weddings, full capacity. We will get there. He's got to get there. He has to get there, it seems to me. And there are ways he can do this where he can de-escalate by saying, and we, look, we have fewer cases. As they're starting to use these rapid tests that uh, are, are much less sensitive than the PCR tests, he can legitimately say, look, the case number is dropping. There are all kinds of metrics he can use to make it look as if things are better. And things probably will be better. The thing is, is going to get better over time. Um, but what I think he'll try to do is have targeted, well, first he'll, he'll try this mask mandate, which he says he's going to do through the governors. And if the governors are recalcitrant, he's going to go to the mayors and whatever. He'll do that. He'll lend implicit support to local lockdowns here and there, claiming that that's what the science calls for. And then after a while, he'll say that, well, we followed the science and now things are better. I, th I think that is the approach he's going to take. You think that's naive? I don't think it's naive. It's very optimistic, and I hope that it's true. I suspect that what will happen is our definition of normal is going to change. So will things open up at max capacity again? In some parts of the country, yes. I don't know about areas like Los Angeles where our governor is just he, he seems like he's just like suicidal on behalf of all of us, or our, our mayor, I mean. But I think that testing and things like that are, begin, are going to become more mandatory. Vaccinations, seeing papers, and probably mask wearing. 
I'm not sure if I've heard Joe Biden say that people are going to be allowed to open things up at full capacity without vaccination, improvement in testing, whatever that means, and wearing a mask. And that would be my concern. I just, I'm always skeptical of a politician saying that, don't worry, trust me, and I'm going to fix your problem. But I think another thing that will change is that under Trump, you had all these uh, so-called public health experts and medical people who were just, they, every bit of bad news they could find, they were trumpeting it. Every single possible bit of bad news, even even bits of bad news that just resulted from misreading charts or misunderstanding numbers or pretending to misunderstand numbers. And I think under Biden, they just can't bring themselves to do that. And they can allow that for a couple of months because they'll say it's left over from Trump. But after a while, if all they do is hammer away at bad news, that hurts Biden. So I think suddenly they're going to start finding some good news. So, And that's something that I don't think would have happened under Trump. So it could be like a Nixon to China kind of thing where there are things Trump just could not get away with. There's Half the country is going to be terrified no matter what Trump does, no matter what happens under Trump. But if it's Biden and they think he's following the science and suddenly they hear positive news, I think some people might be willing to crawl out of their cocoons again. So that's what I think is, and yeah, you're right that the things you're describing are very likely to accompany this. But on balance, I think the society is going to, even if in the short run, get a little bit more locked down. I think as 2021 goes on, I I don't think they're just going to, I don't think the solution is close everything down. Even at that point, I think even some of the blue states start to lose their patience. I think some of the outspoken people do favor lockdowns, people who are very politically aware and they know that lockdown means science and lockdown means anti-Trump. But then you have a lot of average people who might lean Democrat, let's say, but they have kids who are locked in their houses and they have interests that they like and they, they, have, they have grandparents who say, look, bring the grandkids over. I'm sick and tired of being alone. I think the average person after a while has to have fatigue from this. Oh, I definitely think so. I was walking down the street the other day to a park and lo and behold, I saw people out in their 30s in Los Angeles having a birthday party. They were in a park, they were outside, they were wearing masks, but they were socializing with each other. Oh my goodness. So that gave me a little bit of hope. I felt sort of like some, like a character in some dystopian sci-fi novel walking up to a group of strangers, please socialize me, speak to me. It was a very strange experience. But I didn't see that until maybe a week before the election as people in L.A. started to get really hopeful that Biden would get elected because that's the sentiment in L.A. But I would also wonder about the the narrative around the coronavirus pandemic. I think that it's possible for us to still have to deal with a bunch of nonsense, maybe even close to the same level, but the dialogue around it and the narrative will shift. So instead of shaming everyone for not following the laws around masks and getting a vaccine or social distancing, instead of hearing a bunch of negativity, now we'll start to hear so much praise. Oh, praise for Joe Biden for fighting so hard through this tough pandemic. Praise for our governors. Praise for everyone who is doing their best. We're still in the middle of it, but we are really beating this together. And oh, thanks. We're so thankful for national leadership showing us the path. So that's what I sort of suspect we're going to hear at least for the next year when it comes to Biden and the federal government and the lockdowns. And this is why it's really important for our people at every possible opportunity just to remind everybody, these are the approaches that have been taken all throughout Europe, 
uh, with the exception of Sweden, let's say. And France right now is having about 500 deaths a day, which is the equivalent of 2,500 deaths in the U.S., which is more than the U.S. ever had even at the peak uh, on its worst day. And they lock down hard. All they do is they've been doing all this stuff. They've all been, quote, unquote, following the science. Same with Italy, which is also having the equivalent of 2,000 American deaths a day, more than 2,000 American deaths a day. And this was the country that was held up by Zeke Emanuel and Dr. Fauci as having done the right thing, and whereas Americans were too backward and stupid to, to lock down quite severely enough, and that's how they got the cases down. Okay, well, all right, well, <laughs> here, here we go, right? So that's important for people to get. They're just doing the same things over and over. And as I said in my newsletter the other day, it's like they don't know what they're doing. So the general rule is if something brings you pleasure, we're going to cancel that. And if something would be tremendously inconvenient for you and amount to a tremendous deprivation, we're going to do that. And because that's what science demands of us. It almost seems like that's what it is. Whatever makes people miserable and their lives more difficult and their bank account lower, we'll do that because that's science. Anyway, what's the website if people want to if they want to join your efforts out there in California. If you're interested in actively getting involved in the Libertarian Party of California, and by the way, we have issued a resolution officially condemning the lockdowns, and we have a lot of great activists in the, in the entire state party. The website is ca.lp.org. If you're in Southern California and you want to go out and protest with me, if you want help drafting resolutions and things for public comment to speak out against the lockdown, you can get in touch with me by visiting our L.A. County website. That's LPLAC.US. Stands for Libertarian Party of Los Angeles County. All right. Well, thank you, Angela. And of course, I have a special link if you want to join the National Party and be part of the fight. That's TomWoods.com slash LP. I appreciate your time and um, good luck is all you can say. <laughs> thank you. I'll keep fighting a good fight out in uh, the People's Republic of California. All right, everybody, that is our episode for today. I have a couple of, I hope I can schedule them for next week, but a couple of really juicy debate episodes that have been on the back burner that I think I'm finally going to make happen uh, next week. And you're really, really going to want to hear those. So if you haven't subscribed yet, now's the time. Go to tomwoods.com slash Apple, and I'll see you next week. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.